Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. As always, I appreciate you taking the time and spending that time with me, talking about nothing but the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we know what's going on. Things are not looking good. We know this. We know they lost last Sunday night to the Chargers. We know they tied the week before against the Detroit Lions. It's time to get right. It's time to get right, and what we're going to talk about, what we always talk about every single Friday, is what the Steelers need to do to beat that weekly opponent. In this case, it's the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 12 in Cincinnati, Paul Brown Stadium, the jungle as they call it, the Escaloosa. Hopefully the Steelers can cue that thing up. And as always on Friday in the second half of this show, we're going to be getting live with Blue Check back. That's great. Michael Beck always joins us every single Friday in the second segment. We do a, we talk about the game. We talk about NFL game picks. You name it, we do it. Hopefully, stay tuned so that you don't miss any of that. All right, before we get to anything, I just want to take a moment, plug BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, not only, you know, we always say it should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers, and we do believe that, but also, it goes beyond that. So BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, like we were the first site outside of Steelers.com to have the news that Minka Fitzpatrick was taken off the reserve slash COVID-19 list. First site before ESPN, before The Athletic, before any other site that you can think of, we had that story. So the latest breaking news, we've got it for you right there. Film room breakdowns, opinion pieces, commentary, features, you name it, we've got it. And then also the podcast platform. So let's say you... You see this article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You click it. There's a megaphone player. You click play. And you're like, wow, this is this is good stuff. I could listen to more of this. Where can I find this podcast? It's wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Do whatever that platform requires. Subscribe, follow. That way you don't miss anything, not just my Let's Ride. It's a whole morning lineup with Michael Beck and Dave Schofield. It's the noon lineup, Maddie Peverell, Jeffrey Benedict, What Ian's Talking Bat, uh, Jeremy Betts, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's all of them. I think I, I think I got all of them. And then our whole PM lineup with shows like the Steelers Preview, Know Your Enemy, uh, the Scobro Show, The Hangover, uh, Friday Nights with Tony Defio, all those shows. You don't want to miss any of it. You can find it right there wherever you get your podcast. Okay enough advertisement talk random thoughts i started this about three weeks ago and i really enjoyed it just some random thoughts in this black and gold mind of mine and i was sitting there thinking uh the other day i was working out and then i was also getting the the turkey ready grilling the turkey uh i've talked about that a a little bit before and i was thinking about the steelers as i often do and i was like man so many people this is the first random thought So many people are so enamored with the future. And I understand it. I get it. Trust me, I get it. 
But why are we worried about 2022 right now? And why are we worried about Ben Roethlisberger's future right now? To me, I I look at this, and I I fall into that trap as much as anyone else does. Let's get that out of the way. But on top of that, I'm just trying to enjoy this season. And if this is Ben's last rodeo, if it's his last go-round, I would hate to look back and say, man, I spent that entire season dreading about the future of the quarterback position, dreading about Willie Wolney. You know, I, I just want to enjoy Big Ben for as long as the Steelers have him. Because he's still not, he's not playing poorly. Is he playing the way he did when he was 35? No. But he's still not bad. Trust me, there's a lot worse quarterbacks out there that are starting games right now for the NFL, NFL franchises. Let's enjoy Ben. Let's not worry so much about 2022. It'll come. Trust me. It'll be here before you know it. And we'll be talking about it. Is, is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? Do the Steelers want him back? All this other stuff. Don't worry so much about next season. That was a random thought that came through my mind. Even with Ben. Just, let's not worry about it. Enjoy this season. There's still a lot to pay attention to and focus on. Next random thought. This defense, uh, we all thought, elite. That's what we all said. It's elite. Week one happened. You had Melvin Ingram, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith harassing the Bills and Buffalo. With Josh Allen couldn't even breathe. And everyone said, this defense is, is elite. I said it myself. I'll be the first to admit it. I said it myself. But you know what? This defense isn't elite. But it's still really good when they have all those participants available they're still really good but what we saw on sunday night football that's not the steelers defense well why no tyson olulu that would have made a big difference no tj watt that would have made a huge difference no joe hayden another big difference Minka fitzpatrick huge yeah so you talk about those four players i'm not even throwing in steph onto it and yeah that changes a lot of stuff that's a lot to unpack but still this defense, even with those players, I don't think it's elite. They still have some gaping holes. If Alulu was there, if Tuit was there, they might be elite, but they're not. They're not, and they probably won't. So because of that, I don't think any of us would sit there with our right minds and say, this defense is elite. No, but they are really good, and that's still something to think about and keep in mind. Next random thought. What if, and I answered this a little bit on a question for my Wednesday mailbag segment. What if the Steelers were able to flip the 2020 script? What if they were able to do that? Man, that would be something, wouldn't it? And you think about in 2020, they go 11-0. There was a lot of luck on their side. And, and anyone that says, no, that wasn't lucky, we weren't watching the same games. They had some luck on their side, just like the Ravens have a lot of luck on their side this year. It, they, they did have some luck. I don't want to – they did. <laughs> Trust me. And – then they fizzled down the down the stretch. Did four four and one finish in the last five? Just awful. Twelve and four, and then the playoffs come. We all know how that panned out with the Browns at Heinz Field and the wild card. What if they flipped the script? You know they were one and three at one point this season. They claw their way back to five hundred, get above five hundred, still above five hundred technically. What if they're able to flip that script and finish strong? And I know that the schedule's tough. But what if this team is just slowly building continuity, slowly building cohesion? They're gelling. They're feeling good. They start to figure some things out from an offensive standpoint, defensive standpoint, who does what well. What if the wheels are turning at this point? What if that's what happens and they start to actually turn it on at the right time? It's been a while. It's been a long time, actually, since a Mike Tomlin team has finished the season strong and not failed and kind of floundered down the stretch. But what if this year they did that? 
What if this year they finish four and one and not one and four? What if they flip that script? Boy, that would be something. If they did that with this schedule coming up, I think people would say you need to watch out for that team. That team right there, you would hear the Steelers be the team that everyone says you don't want to play them because they're red hot at the right time. There were some years. I even think back to those eight and eight years with Mike Tomlin where everyone was saying that about the Steelers. They didn't get into the playoffs those years, but they were saying you you better hope they don't get in because you don't want to play them. This team could be that way if they stay healthy. I'm talking if he gets everyone back. You know, TJ Watt comes back. He stays healthy. Hayden, same. Minka Fitzpatrick, same. Uh, they get some of their offensive linemen back. We're talking Kevin Dotson off of IR. Maybe we see an infusion of some help, you know, I mean, in certain areas. Maybe Zach Banner gets in there. I'm not sure, but this team could flip that script. Boy, that would be something. That would be great. Next, the, speaking of changes, what changes can be made? Like, that was a question that came into my head when I was doing just random stuff around the house and what changes, let's talk about this. Let's, let's hash this out a little bit. What logistic realistic is the word I should say. What realistic changes can fans actually expect on this roster? And this is difficult based on the fact that everyone wants change. They scream for change. Every, whether it's the head coach coordinator, all the way down to the players, everyone screams for change. Well, what change are you going to do? Like if you're going to sit there and just whine and cry and moan about what you're seeing on the field, that's okay, whatever. But what, what's going to change? What change do you want? Well, let's talk about it. I personally think you could see Zach Banner infused into the lineup at some point. I'm not sure if that's what is best for the team, but I think that's a change you could see. What I'm hoping for is that someone like Carlos Davis, who has already had his clock started to get back on the practice field, and he's going to work his way back to the 53-man roster. Hopefully he gets reinstated soon. I think there's, it's not that Carlos Davis is going to swoop in and save the day. Heck, Stefan Tuitt isn't going to do that, even if he is healthy enough to play. But Carlos Davis is at least valuable depth, something that they don't have a lot of. And when you when you're sitting there, Last week, and you're like, oh, man, they're going to be without Isaiah Loudermilk. That's going to be tough. Think about what you just said. Think about what I just said. Oh, man, they're going to be without Isaiah Loudermilk. The same guy that when he was drafted, when the Steelers traded, got into the fifth round. They take him out of Wisconsin. Everyone said, wait, what? Who? Where? Why? That's exactly the response that we all had. I did not hear anyone, no one, say, oh, yeah, I know this Loudermilk guy. I, I, I was watching film on him. Shut up. No, you didn't. You did not. But they're thin at the position. Carlos Davis coming back could help. Carl Joseph, how's he going to fit into this defense? Yeah, everyone's like, well, he didn't play well against the Chargers. Well, he also didn't have a Joe Hayden behind him. He didn't have a Minka Fitzpatrick behind him. He had a rookie, Trey Norwood. I think Carl Joseph could... Be a player that could maybe make some, you know, get some change out there, see what they can do. Maybe James Pierre, if they see that he's playing well enough, maybe James Pierre is a player that starts on the outside and they can move Cam Sutton back to what he does best. And that is as the dime backer, maybe even down on the slot if they need him. These are some of the changes that you could possibly see. I mean, people are going to talk about, oh, what about Philip Lindsay? If he's going to be cut, should they pick him up? Look, I'm not talking about bringing players in here. I'm talking about players within the roster that they already have on the roster. What could they do? How could they help? What are those changes? 
And believe it or not, outside of what I just said, I mean, there's not a lot of changes can ha- that's going to happen here, folks. This is what you have. This is what you have. Like it or not, this is what the Steelers are faced with. So those changes, maybe they do make a difference. Maybe they don't, but those are some changes that I came up with. Last thing, before we get to keys to victory. My gosh, people, please, please stop putting all of the blame on the coaches. I'm not saying that coaches don't deserve some blame, but they don't deserve all of it. So let me give you an example. Detroit Lions at Heinz Field Week 10. We know how the game ends up. There was that pivotal third, uh, first and goal from the five where the Steelers threw it three straight times. Said this before on my show. I'll say it again. Matt Canada dials up a pass. It was an RPO, actually. The play goes incomplete because Mason Rudolph skipped a pass to Ray Ray McLeod. If Mason Rudolph completes that pass, we aren't talking about that series at all. Is that on Matt Canada? Is that the coach's fault? Because the quarterback missed the throw? Because the quarterback couldn't complete a five-yard completion? Is that Matt Canada's fault? So wherever you are listening, answer that question to yourself. Is it Matt Canada's fault? Some will say yes because they, they're always miserable. They live a miserable life. And I say no, that's not Matt Canada's fault. He dials up an RPO play, and they get the, they scheme it open, and they don't execute. Okay, also... James Pierre in the flat against Austin Eckler in week 11 on Sunday Night Football. Hey, swing and a miss. Strike one. Actually, James, you know what? You can pick up your jockstrap at the counter on your way out the door. We appreciate you for stopping by. Is that Keith Butler's fault? Is that Mike Tomlin's fault? Is that Terrell Austin's fault? No. James Pierre completely whiffed on a tackle on primetime, and he's going to have to live with that. But still, it's not the coach's fault. Stop blaming the coaches, okay? That's one. That's just what I'm gonna say. They don't, they deserve some blame. They do. Not saying that they are exempt from blame, but what I am saying is that the, you can't sit there and constantly just blame the coaching staff. You just can't do it. All right, let's go through these keys to victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. What I always do is I go back and look at the last week's keys, and so here we go. Trying to find them here in my notes, and here we go. Yeah. Last week, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so I said they had to have an epic effort, for an epic, I hate that word, an epic effort in the run game. It did not happen. This, I'm just not going to go with Number two, protect the football. Ding, ding, ding. They actually did protect the football. Uh, it didn't matter, but it, they did protect the football. And then make some splash in the red zone. I thought that red zone offense was better. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but it was better. I'm going to give them a ding, ding, ding. Yes, they did that. So the offense, I mean, they scored 37 points. That was a pretty good outing. Let's go to the defense. Take it away. (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not, ding, 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 they did it. Uh, Cam Sutton, obviously, uh, with the interception that was deflected off of Cam Hayward. If you even want to throw in its special teams, but it's still a turn, it's a takeaway, sort of. Um, The block punt by Miles Killebrew. Big play. So, yeah, I'm going to say that that happened. Get after Herbert. No, they didn't. They did not get after Justin Herbert. Uh, he had his way with them. And then some unknown players step up. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of unknown players out there, folks, but uh, none of them stepped up. Not the way that I wanted. So let's get to the keys for this Sunday's game against the Bengals. I tried to, I tried to keep this from being general and saying the same things over and over again. Because we can always say things like, well, you got to do this, you got to do that better. I mean, 
for me, it's not just like, we got to run the ball. Like every week you have to run the ball. So here's some out of the box thinking for goals. Number one, don't outthink yourself. Offense. We always start on offense, by the way. Don't outthink yourself. And what I mean by that is when you're in the red zone, sometimes you just got to line it up and just run it up the gut. Sometimes you're, out, you're, you're literally outthinking yourself. We've all done it before in our lives in so many different ways. Don't outthink yourself. Sometimes just do what you know is going to work. Next, got to have red zone success. Uh, our Kevin Smith did a great article. I think it ran on Tuesday of this week. Go check it out. It's, it's, it's on the website. And it was just phenomenal about outlining what the Steelers need to do better in the red zone. Uh, next, you have protect the ball. I think that's a weekly goal, and that should always be there. Roethlisberger, uh, since they started their winning streak, has not thrown an interception. I just knocked on wood for all those that are superstitious. So those three things, don't not think yourself, red zone success, and protect the ball. They can do those three things. I think they're going to be very, very tough to beat. Let's go to the defensive side. Now, this is also assuming that those three players, Hayden, Minka, Fitzpatrick, we know Minka will be back, and TJ Watt are all back and healthy 100%. Number one key, stop Joe Mixon. Stop Joe Mixon. That's not just as a running back. Don't think for a second the Bengals aren't going to look at the tape of how the Chargers attack the Steelers with Austin Eckler in the passing game, and they will do that with Joe Mixon. Now, I don't think Joe Mixon is as explosive as Austin Eckler, but he's very, very good. So stop Joe Mixon. Second, be creative, Keith Butler. You were known for your blitzes just a few years ago. Joe Mixon is a second-year quarterback in the NFL. This is a game where you should be able to dial up some creative blitzes. We've seen, I've seen him that do this already this season. Whether it's at the uh, they used to always blitz their inside linebackers, they don't do it as much anymore. But Devin Bush has had a couple sacks this year. Uh, Terrell, Terrell Edmonds has been sent on a blitz and had some sacks this year. Be creative with that type of blitzing. I'd love to see them put some pressure on uh, on Joe Burrow. That's a that's definitely a key. And last one. Red zone success, force, hold them to field goals, not touchdowns. Give your offense the opportunity, and they will win the game. So let's go through all these again. Offensively, don't don't outthink yourself. Red zone success and protect the ball. Defensively, stop Joe Mixon. Be creative with the blitzes that they deliver to Joe Burrow. And lastly, red zone success on the defensive side of the ball. All right, so when we come back after this break, Blue Check Beck will be joining me. And then stay tuned. After that, we'll have a heart-to-heart. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. It is Friday. That means one thing and one thing only. It is blue check back time. Michael Beck, our Canuck friend, he joins us uh, from Canuck land. Michael, before we even say hello, like when is the Canadian Thanksgiving? I know you have one, but when is the Canadian Thanksgiving? Uh, I believe it's the second uh, Thursday of uh, October. Oh, okay. And so this is a major holiday in Canada, yes? Today? No. No, no, no. (laughs) Your Thanksgiving, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. It's uh, it's like the same thing. Uh, it's like uh, just a little bit earlier in the year, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, you got your Canadian football on. But uh, yeah, no, it's the turkey. It's it's the works. It's the exact same, just about a month and change earlier. So that that was my question. So like, but you all obviously everyone, you know, at least what you're taught in school is that 
the Thanksgiving in the United States when the pilgrims come over and, and the Native Americans and they're commingling for the first time. Is it the same with your Thanksgiving? Is that the same story or is it just a chance to give thanks for everything that we should be thankful for? Um, it, I, I guess it really depends. Um, <laughs> it, it, like uh, to a degree, I'd say so. I, I think there's a lot of shared traditions just based on uh, proximity of our two countries, of course. Yeah, but uh, I, I think for the most part, it's more more so just a, a day of thanks uh, to be with your family and uh, just to be thankful for everything uh, you got going on in your life. All right. So you said the fair is pretty much the same, though, like you do turkeys and things like that. Oh, yeah. Turkey, ham, your sweet potato pie, you name it. Uh, it's on the table. What's your what's your favorite part of the meal? Ooh, that is a really good question. Uh, my absolute favorite part of the meal, honestly, a good ham. That is my absolute favorite. Really? Yeah. Really? So, okay. So, do you do turkeys too, or is it just primarily ham in your house? No, it, there's usually there's usually a spread. You we typically get both. Um, for nice. me, like I, I think turkey, you, you got to throw a, a decent amount of gravy on it to make it uh, really worth its while, really juice it up. But uh, yeah, no ham all the way for me. Anyone that sells me, and I had it all the time. I hear it at work. I hear it from friends. They say turkey. I don't like it too much. It's too dry. Then you've never had someone cook it correctly. I grill turkeys, and it is it is juicy. It's got a good crust on it. I'm telling you, Michael. If you lived near me, I'd invite you over, and you'd be like, Jeff, this turkey is out of this world. But hey, <laughs> desserts. Let's talk desserts for a second. What's okay. your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? Now, in, in my house, and I think in most homes in the United States, it's all like it's pie galore. What's oh, your favorite? That that is tough because how much I love pie, like any type of flavor, uh, you name it, pumpkin, apple, blueberry, pecan, like I'm all about it. But if I had to pick one for Thanksgiving specifically, give me pumpkin pie, a little bit warmed up with some ice cream on the side. That's uh, That's my go-to. Whipped cream on top? Oh, yeah. You have to. Yeah, you have to. You have to. All right. Well, enough of the Thanksgiving talk. I hope you, even though it's not your official Thanksgiving, I wanted to say thank you for joining us every single Friday. Uh, for, for the most part, you missed a couple. We had Brian Anthony Davis jump in, but still, uh, you know, Michael doesn't have to do this, folks, and he does it on his own accord. So I appreciate it, Michael, as always. Um, let's get to start talking about the Steelers. What do you think, Michael, if you had to pinpoint, what is the one thing on this football team, not just offense overall, that is plaguing this team right now. And it's it can be right now, it can be the whole season, it could be what you see in the future, it doesn't matter. What is the one thing that you think is plaguing this football team? So Jeffrey Benedict and I kind of got into this a little bit on Know Your Enemy. Uh, one of the things I think we might be facing with, with right now, and one of the reasons why the team's struggling a little bit, I think we might be overrating some of our own players to a degree. And I, I think that's more of an offensive side of the football issue. I think a lot, a lot of us want to think Deontay Johnson is this pure number one in the mold of Antonio Brown receiver. And Chase Claypool is like a Megatron, just go up and get it kind of guy. I, I think we're starting to, to realize like Deontay's a great receiver, uh, but but he's not that game breaker. Uh, nor is Chase Claypool. He, he's, he's not in the same mold of Megatron at all. It's, it's one of the things that you can kind of see throughout the defense too, like uh, aside from TJ Watt and Mickey Fitzpatrick, who are of course unbelievable, and Cam Hayward you can lump in there. Um, I think people were expecting Alex Highsmith to just step in and be exactly what Bud Dupree was a year ago. So I, I think to a degree, we need to realize what is on this team. Uh, and from there, you can kind of build from it and build to the future. Um, so I, I, th I think this is still a good team, but I still don't think the talent is still on the levels of really the upper echelons of the NFL currently. 
Okay, agree or disagree with this statement? Is this kind of piggybacks off what you just said? Agree or disagree? The Pittsburgh Steelers have a really good young nucleus developing on this football team and on this roster. Agree or disagree? Oh, I'm going to say disagree because the offensive line and quarterback position isn't isn't to that level. And uh, until you have those, it's hard to say you have a, a good young nucleus because you look at the NFL today. You're not. Uh, you're probably not winning a Super Bowl without at least a, a great quarterback on your team. That's just the trend of the last 20 years, aside from a Joe Flacco fluke show. And uh, your offensive line, if you can't protect your quarterback, they're just going to get beaten up. And heck, Ben Roethlisberger in 2008 only happened once in the history of football. So I, I think until they can build those two spots, I don't think this young nucle- nucleus is really where it needs to be. Those two spots need to take some priority here. I'm going to agree with the statement and disagree with you based on the fact that when you look at the offensive line, that's a position that you stated. I mean, Kevin Dotson is good and he's going to get better. Dan Moore, he might not be your overall answer left tackle, but he's only going to get better as he gets more experience and things of that nature. I think Kendrick green, whether he's at center or guard, you wrote that article uh, for the website about should the, should they move on from him? They're thinking about that project. It's at, at center. I, th- I think he's still a valuable asset to the offensive line, whether regardless of position you have Pat Fryermuth, I think he's going to be outstanding. Najee Harris is already outstanding. Chase Claypool, although he is not Megatron, as you mentioned, is a good young player. Deontay Johnson still in his rookie contract defensively. I mean, you go to the defensive side of the ball. This is where things get a little dicey, uh, but you have a, an Alex Highsmith, a TJ Watts going to be around for four years. Um, I agree. It, man, when I think about the defense, the more I hash this out, I'm more optimistic about the offense than I am the defense because the defense, you think about Cam Hayward's getting older, Devin Bush, uh, who knows what he's going to look like. You know what I mean? So yeah. do you think the defense is behind the offense in terms of maybe having a good young core that they can build around? To a degree, absolutely, absolutely, because they're going to have to replace a Joe Hayden and a Cam Hayward, and soon thereafter, Stefan Tuitt. There and heck, Tyson Alualu is the second oldest guy on this team. Yeah. Um. So there is a ton of spots that they're going to have to replace shortly. The thing that they have really going for them, though, is quite possibly, and I, I would argue, the best pass rusher in football makes the rest of your defensive line not have to do as much, and a, a safety that cuts the field in half. Uh, that can really let uh, defenders kind of come into their own because these two guys are so forgiving for the rest of the defense that they that they can have some uh, some wiggle room and, and some time to kind of grow around them. But the thing is, in today's NFL, with how much player movement there is, who knows if Watt and Minka want to sit around and wait for uh, the team to get better around them once again. It might be uh, one of those things where the Steelers have to go off script and maybe look to free agency or, heck, make some more trades to just try to uh, keep this team as competitive as possible to keep their, uh, their stars uh, happy. Yeah, I, th- I think that if you look at the upcoming offseason for the Steelers and you're looking at this rare occurrence where they have the potential to having a lot of salary cap space available, and this is all assuming that the salary cap is going to balloon back up to where they expect it to be, over $200 million. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. I would expect it would, considering games have gone on, there's been fans in seats, and revenue has continued to bring come back into the league. Um the one thing I want to say is like, you know, I think that the Steelers, they've never, when was the last time they were in this position, Michael? I mean, they can go out and spend money and actually be, you know, suitors for some big names, free, big name, free agents that could come in and help right away. Can you think of a time that they've been in that scenario? 
Uh, this amount of cap space that they're kind of looking at, I don't remember a time, at least over my life. I, I remember a couple seasons where it's like, hey, the Steelers have a little bit of cash here, but then they go out and make the Ladeers green signing and a couple other guys that offseason that just really weren't quite the right fit or had those serious injury problems that green had, but yeah. uh, to, to the amount of cash flow that they'll have this off season, I don't think I've ever seen it before. So maybe we're going to see a different uh, philosophy when it comes to the off season here in 2022. It's going to be a very intriguing off season, but I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too far down that road. Let's talk about this Sunday <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cincinnati. It's hard to believe this team has lost two straight to the Bengals going back to the Monday night or last year in 2020. And then obviously earlier this season, and I believe week three when Joe Burrow and company that Michael, this is a different team on both sides of the football. When you think about it, it, it whereas let's assume that TJ Watt plays now, granted he still has to get through this week's of practice with no setbacks, things of that nature. Minka Fitzpatrick's been taken off the reserve COVID-19 list. Great news. Uh, and then Joe Hayden is another question mark. If those three players play Minka, we know he will. TJ and Joe Hayden. How does that impact this game? As you look at Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, uh, Jamar Chase, all those athletes they have on that side of the field. Well, without them, we saw what the defense was with those no names. Uh, number 50, whoever that was, uh, Archibong, uh, Carl Joseph wearing number eight. Uh, it was just so bad against the Chargers that they could just get walked on. Uh, any drive that the Chargers really felt like scoring, aside for some, some weird ones late in that game, they did. Um, so just having those guys on the field makes your team that much more competitive and having TJ Watt on the field, heck, uh, I got a, a story running on the site here, uh, just about the stat that any game that he's missed more than a half of football, they're winless. It's, it, it's Jeez. a completely different team when he's not on the field. So that means when TJ Watt's playing, they're five, one and one. And that tie, he missed overtime and a good chunk of the fourth quarter. Uh, he, he makes them so much significantly better that they have a legitimate chance of playing. And it's crazy that a defensive player can have that big of an impact, but that's, that's the fact of the matter. So uh, just having them on the field makes his team uh, really a, a competitive one and one that should uh, have a chance of winning any game. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Michael, if you were to tear out the defense, because I think the defense has been, in my opinion, it's not any fault of their own. They've been banged up. That's, and that's been well-documented. But the defense has been a little down and depressing for me. I, I, we all had high expectations for them, uh, especially after week one in Buffalo, dominating performance from the defense where they harassed Josh Allen. So in my opinion, let's tear this out. You have elite, good, okay, bad, god-awful, with those players in the lineup. So they're fully healthy. Where do you put this defense? Tear them out. Oh, this defense as a whole, I would say, is good with all the players on the field. The, the issues come with, with missing Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Alualu. The def defensive line isn't as good, which makes the, the undersized linebackers clearly not as good. So that is a huge factor right there that keeps them away from great and elite um, but uh, they still have some of the best talent in football. Two all first team all pros. Uh, how many teams don't have any? And then a, a guy like Joe Hayden, who's a cons consistent uh, Pro Bowler. Cam Hayward, who should be an All Pro. Uh, all Pro really should be a first team uh, this this year. They just have some elite talent. So 
they are a good team, but they have some flaws. They have some holes. They've just lost so many players over the last like three-ish off seasons that uh, they haven't really been able to recoup to that level. I'd say that 2018 defense, that was just unbelievable, but uh, the offense wasn't there for them. Uh, that's probably the most elite version of this team we've seen, uh, but uh, they're pretty darn good still in their own right. I agree. I agree. All right. You know, it's time. It's Friday. Let's do some game picks. There's not as many games to pick while there's still bye weeks going on. And also we had three games on Thanksgiving that we're not going to talk about. So let's get to Sunday at one o'clock. You ready, Michael? Let's do it. All right. The new, this is a dud of a, oh my gosh, this is the toilet bowl. (laughs) The toilet bowl in Flushing, Ohio is (laughs) New York Jets, Houston Texans in Houston, two and eight teams. Gosh, Houston's giving two and a half at home. Michael, how do you see this one going? Now, I'm not sure if Zach Wilson is available for this game, but I believe uh, both uh, Joe Flacco uh, and Mike White are both on the, the COVID list. <laughs> oh my so, uh, oh man, the Jets are in a real bad way. And at least Terod Taylor keeps the Texans competitive. So give me the Texans minus his points. I agree. I take the Houston Texans giving two and a half at home. What a horrible game. No one wants to watch that. All right, let's go to a game I think is going to be very entertaining. And if the Steelers didn't play at the same time, I'd probably tune into this one. Tampa Bay goes to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is looking great. I took them last week in Buffalo and they, they pulled out a big win there in Buffalo. Indy is actually getting three and a half points at home. I was stunned by this line. Michael, what do you think? Uh, it's one of those things though, where elite quarterbacks uh, tend to play really good on that Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I, I just feel like Tom Brady's going to have a game this week and uh, Tampa Bay is going to win minus those three and a half. I'm going to take Indianapolis again. I'm going to keep rolling with them. They're a hot team. Jonathan Taylor is playing out of his mind right now. I'm going to take the Colts at home, getting three and a half. I'll take the home dogs. All right, Atlanta, another dud. Atlanta Falcons in the Jacksonville Jaguars in Duval County. Jacksonville's getting one and a half at home. Good luck with this one. What do you think, Michael? Brutal game. Uh, Maybe Matt Ryan gives him enough. Uh, Give me Atlanta minus the points. I'll take Jacksonville, getting points at home, no clue. Total just crapshoot. Carolina Panthers, Miami Miami Dolphins, another just not attractive games. I was talking with my dad. He was in town for Thanksgiving, and I was doing my picks, and he goes, boy, there's some bad games this week. He is right. Uh, Miami's getting two and a half at home. What do you think? Uh, this is tough. Uh, it seems like Cam Newton's got the Panthers playing a little bit better. Uh, of course, they did lose that game to Washington last week, but uh, – this is another just tough one. Uh, it's almost like throwing a dart at a dart, dartboard and say who's going to make the least amount of mistakes. But that's football. So give me the Panthers minus two and a half. I'll take the Dolphins getting two and a half. I think this is a, I'll take the home team. We'll do that. Home dogs. I like home dogs. Tennessee Titans good in New England. Another very intriguing game. Tennessee coming off of that horrible loss last week where Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions. He was on my fan league. Thanks for nothing. And so the New England Patriots are giving six and a half at home. Michael, does Tennessee bounce back? Oh, this one makes me sick because I feel like uh, New England uh, actually wins this game, covers the spread. And I think that would make them the number one seed in the AFC, which just, oh, we, they haven't been bad enough for long enough. So that's uh, sickening. So I, I hope Tennessee pulls it off, but I got the sick feeling uh, New England uh, covers as well. I'm not sure if the, if the Tennessee Titans win this game on the road, but I think they keep it close. I'm going to take the Titans getting six and a half on the road, at least to cover that spread. Philadelphia, they're kind of playing some good football right now. They go to the New York Giants. The Giants are coming off of a dud primetime loss. What else is new? Philadelphia is giving three and a half on the road. Does Philly win this NFC East matchup? Yeah, the Giants just find ways to lose. It doesn't matter if the Clappers, their OC or not. Uh, I have no belief in the New York Giants and their whatever the heck is going on with them. Give me the Eagles minus the points. They're red hot. 
anywhere that has what, what is it? Freddie kitchens as their coach of any capacity is no good. <laughs> and the giants have kitchens calling plays now. So I'm going to take the Eagles giving three and a half on the road. The giants stink. Uh, the Los Angeles chargers. This is a four Oh five game. The chargers versus the Broncos in Denver. The chargers are giving two and a half coming off of that Sunday night win against Pittsburgh. Do the chargers continue to roll Michael? Yeah, I'm liking these road favorites. Uh, the Chargers this week, I, I just like them uh, going up against the Broncos. I, I think the Broncos are kind of a lost team right now, despite being 5-5. Five and five. They got some talent, but they're just uh, – just. I think the Chargers' offensive weapons are going to pull ahead and uh, lead them to a victory minus those points. I like home dogs, but not in this one. I like the Chargers giving two and a half on the road. Their offense is clicking. I was unbelievably impressed with Justin Herbert against the Steelers, even though he was basically playing against a JV team. He was still making plays. He's – He's a lot bigger than I thought he was. I mean, just a big, big, young quarterback. Man, future's bright for that guy in the Chargers organization. I'm going to take the Chargers. Let's go to the other L.A. team. The Rams are going to the Green Bay Packers. This is a great game. 425 in Green Bay. This is basically a pick em. Oh, On my screen, I have Green Bay giving a half a point. Michael, what do you think? Oh, yeah. this is a this really is a coin toss. Um, the Rams have played it pretty sloppy the last couple of weeks, though. So I like Green Bay uh, getting uh, getting points really doesn't matter in this one. But I think Green Bay wins this game and uh, they uh, they pick up the spread. L.A. came out like gangbusters this season and everyone thought this is a shoe in for the Super Bowl. They're making moves, bringing in Odell Beckham, you name it. And there's just something about a team like Green Bay that just is they're at home. L.A., we know Matthew Stafford has a history with Green Bay. It's not a good one. I'm going to take the Packers and Aaron Rodgers at home in this game to beat the L.A. Rams. Uh, let's go to 425, the Minnesota Vikings going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Michael, what do you think about this? Minnesota is getting three and a half on the road. Um, this could be an interesting game, I think. Uh, I think there's some talent on either side of the ball. But uh, Minnesota, I just like them uh, in three-point games. So if they're going to get three and a half points, I'm taking the Vikings every day of the week. I am taking Minnesota as well, getting the points. Let's go to the game that a lot of Steeler fans just are excited to be able to sit down and watch. 820, Sunday Night Football, Cleveland goes to Baltimore. Baltimore Ravens are giving three and a half at home. Who wins? Oh, just love watching these games. Uh, you kind of hope the Browns do. That way the Steelers still have a, a chance to uh, reclaim uh, the, the top seed next week if they can beat Cincinnati here. Um, so give me the Browns because that's uh, that's just who I want to win. And Baltimore is just a fluky team. Their luck's going to run up at some point. Give me Cleveland uh, with the points. I'm going to take Baltimore at home, giving three and a half. Uh, they, sometimes teams, the luck is just on their side. And you you could even say that about Pittsburgh last year in 2020 when they started 11-0. They got, they got some breaks. And I feel like the Ravens are just one of those teams. I do think their luck will run out, but I don't think it's this week. In prime time in Baltimore, I will take – and plus, Baker Mayfield sucks. So I'll take the Ravens giving three and a half. Let's go to Monday Night Football. This is another dud. Seattle Seahawks at Washington. Seattle's getting one and a half on the road. Both of these teams – gosh, Seattle I think is three and seven. Washington's four and six. Michael, what do you think here? Oh, this is going to be uh, an interesting one. Seattle's just been playing bad football. Uh, I think Washington's, uh, they're able to win these tight games. Uh, I like Washington in this one for whatever reason. Just give me the football team. I'll take Seattle getting uh, a point and a half because I just don't even care at this point with this, <laughs> these type of games. Let's go to the game everyone does care about. The Pittsburgh Steelers at one o'clock. They go to Cincinnati, Paul Brown Stadium. Pittsburgh's getting four and a half here, Michael. Over under set at 44 and a half. We don't do over and under, but with the spread, Mike, what do you think this is going to, how's this going to play out in your opinion? 
Uh, I think the Steelers are in a great position to win this game, actually. Um, they're getting healthy. Uh, the Bengals have uh, kind of cooled off since their hot start. I like the Steelers. Give me the points. I think they're going to win the game outright regardless. What is your final score? Do you have one? I think the final score in this one will be a tight game. Give me the Steelers 17 to 14. Oh, a low scoring. Okay. I like yes. it. I've said this on, we did the Steelers preview early. Uh, we had to do it on Wednesday this week because of the Thanksgiving day holiday. And I gave my prediction. I think that the Steelers are a team that offensively is starting to kind of figure some things out. Um, I expect them to come out and throw a little bit more if they're having success and that'll open up the run for Najee Harris. I think the Steelers are going to move the ball uh, defensively. If they can get those three players back, we're talking Hayden. We know Minka will be back. TJ Watt, if they can play and they can play well at a high level. I like the Steelers actually win this by double digits. I have the Steelers winning 27 to 17. Love take it. the Steelers getting points, take them on the money line and barely I have the under on that game. So take that to the bank. All right, Michael, I appreciate it. You have any final thoughts for the uh, listeners out there? Hey, I just want to say I'm thankful for all the listeners, all the supporters of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm thankful for you, Jeff. That's uh, one of the highlights of my Thursdays, being able to come on and do these shows. So uh, I just want to say I'm thankful and uh, how, uh, how much I appreciate each and every member of the BTSC family and uh, how much uh, I just enjoy my time uh, on the site and uh, being here with you. For sure. For sure. It's, it's a great time. I appreciate it. Every Friday, it's a great segment. I know a lot of fans get a good chuckle out of us picking fun, of, making fun of each other. So, all right, Michael, as always, thank you very much. We'll see you next Friday. Yeah. See you soon, Jeff. All right. Take it easy. All right. A big thank you to Michael Beck, as always, for taking the time on Friday. I'm very thankful for him for doing that. And let's get to the heart to heart to finish out this show every Friday. It's what we do. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, yesterday, like, hey, happy Thanksgiving, Jeff. I can't stress how much you and the BTSE guys on podcasts and stuff mean to me. Like, look, this is what, what you learn quickly is that this is this is more than just Steelers football. This is actually, this is family. You know, I hope that when you listen to my podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you feel like you know me. I've said that before. I'll say it again. If you do, then I'm doing my job. If you're like, man, I know so much about Jeff. I know that he's a teacher. I know he has five kids. I know he's a golfer. Like, Think about what you're saying. You're describing me as a person. Like, I'm not hiding anything here. This is me. And so if you feel that way, and it, I, I really hope I'm doing my job well, and I hope you enjoy the show and share it and all that good stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about, the heart to heart. Last week... I did the thanks. I said I was going to be Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I was going to thank everyone, and I do mean that from the bottom of my heart. But I also wanted to say that last week was a very big week in the Hartman family. My oldest child, my son, turned 13 years old, and that's unbelievably – I can't even wrap my head around it still that he's 13. I still remember the day he was born. Um, like I said, he's our oldest. We have one boy and four girls, and – my goodness, he's such a kind young man. He's turning into a young man. I, I can't believe it. You know, he's sprout, sprouting facial hair and stuff. But my goodness, um, I love that little guy to death. He's not so little anymore. I want to wish Will Hartman a happy birthday. Uh, he's very, very excited. He loves his birthday, as everyone should. And I love him very, very much. And so I want to give a big shout out to my son, Happy birthday, buddy. I'm sure I'll play you this, and you'll probably be grinning from ear to ear that I mentioned your name on a podcast. So uh, for a young guy that wants to do a podcast on his own one day, uh, maybe one day you'll get there, and I'll help you every step along the way. 
All right, that does it for me. Uh, I hope the Steelers win, and I hope I join you, you join me on the post-game show after the game on YouTube and also on our audio platform, and I'll be back on Monday with some winners and losers, hopefully a lot more winners and losers. All right? Okay, folks, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great weekend. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers! <laughs>